Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia. Labdien visiem, and welcome to episode number 42 of the Latvia Weekly Podcast, which is a very significant number for you Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans out there. For those of you who are not, then uh, you can look it up why. But anyway, uh, I am your host, Joe Horgan, and my other host, uh, Otto Tabuns, is sitting right here across from me here in Riga Central Station. How are you today, Otto? Oh, dear listeners, hello. I'm very happy about the Riga City Festival and uh, had the chance to enjoy it a little bit. Um, not only the fireworks and the free music, but uh, also uh, to see some of the biplanes that were part of the air show, uh, which was very impressive. And I think we are also very uh, lucky that the weather was so great. I actually uh, took the chance and uh, did some uh, rowing uh, on a boat in Kishazars, and I think it was like one of the best uh, weekends weather-wise. Uh, in a uh, quite long time. This is going to be one of the most action-packed episodes we've ever had. Now, if we were some kind of TV show like Game of Thrones or Stranger Things, this would probably be like the season finale episode because so many of the stories which we've been following, the main stories that we've been following over the last few weeks, last few months, had major, major, major updates uh, over the course of the week. And on top of that... The main story, which we have to start out with, which happened very late Thursday night, but most people woke up to on Friday morning, is the very unfortunate shuttering of PNB Bank. And if you do not recognize this name PNB, you might recognize the name Norvik, which was Latvia's sixth largest bank. They got a complaint from the European Central Bank and said that, uh, so the European Central Bank listed it as either failing or likely to fail and they were forced to freeze all transactions, to freeze all bank activities, and they will begin the process of, of shutting down and liquidating uh, very soon. Now, if you've um, followed Latvian News, or even if you've listened to this podcast before, now there has been all kinds of rumblings about Norvik or PNB in the past. Uh, there was a pretty significant fine that was uh, levied against them fairly recently um, for, um, you know, not... Uh, handing out the correct documentation and everything. Um, but still, this wasn't something that was necessarily expected that, you know, they, they would necessarily be shut down in, in this kind of way. Um, I'm not particularly surprised, uh, you know, um, out of all the banks that this could happen to, I'm not particularly surprised, but it still wasn't something that was um, completely expected. Uh, what do you think, Otto? Now some of the telltale signs make sense if you look at on a hindsight perspective. Uh, for example, they did change uh, the bank name uh, quite recently. Uh, and also uh, one of my acquaintances uh, who used to work uh, at the Latin radio, uh, Xenia, uh, she had her uh, idea why they had quite an aggressive campaign to attract new customers quite recently. So now it might actually make sense. Uh, owing to the uh, bad financial situation of the bank and the inability uh, to uh, have its uh, books uh, balance out. So there's a few things we need to go through here because th this is a major story. This, you know, w when we do um, in December, we're going to do our kind of like top 10 main stories of the year. This is most likely going to end up there in that top 10. If, if not, then, you know, just outside of it and kind of like the honorable mentions. Uh, but one thing we need to mention right off the bat, and this is, you know, kind of, um, I don't want to say funny, but uh, it, it is a little bit humorous, that uh, a lot of customers from the Luminor Bank, now Luminor is kind of a merger between uh, the Latvian, well, the, the Baltic operations of two banks, uh, one being Nordia and one being DNB. 
and Nordia sounds very similar to Norvik. DNB sounds very similar to PNB. So apparently Luminor got all kinds of panicked letters saying, you know, I heard on the news that the bank has been shut. And so they sent out this message to all their customers saying that, no, we are not PNB, we are not Norvik. Um, so, you know, for, for those of you out there who are Luminor customers, which is one of Latvia's largest banks, do not worry, there's nothing wrong that we know of with Luminor. You know, um, they, they, they seem to be in an okay situation. Um, but another thing which I've been hearing a lot, and there, there's this narrative which I've seen all over the internet, uh, also in the Latvian media, also, you know, especially on kind of the expat groups, which a lot of you uh, might be a part of, that, okay, well, we had Perix Bank, which was taken over by the government in 2008. We had Latvia's Krybanka, which failed in 2011. We had Trasta Commerce Banka, which failed in 2016. We had ABLV, which, uh, you know, was... They, they decided to um, self-liquidate after they were accused of money laundering for the North Korean government, which they still say that they didn't do, um, but of course they chose to liquidate pretty much immediately after the uh, U.S. government uh, gave them that warning. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no Sherlock Holmes, but, uh, you know, uh, lo looks a little bit sketchy there. So that's five banks since 2008. So there's been this narrative all, you know, all over the place that Latvian banks are constantly failing left and right and that you know, um, the, this, this financial situation is terrible. I just want to give a little bit of a comparison. So in that time period, since uh, the government takeover of Parix Bank, which was November 8, 2008, there have been 510 banks that have failed in the United States. Um, and that is from the uh, FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is responsible for uh, kind of taking over in those situations when banks fail. Um, which, you know, of course, yeah, the U.S. is a much bigger country, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, mean what people, you know, are, 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 are trying to say it does. Um, and also, in all of these situations, you know, not all bank failures or bank takeovers are um, created equal, and, you know, they, they happen for different reasons. Specifically with ABLV Bank, which happened last year, you know, as I mentioned, that wasn't necessarily a bank failure. That wasn't necessarily because of, uh, you know, inadequate capital, like it looked like with um, with Norvik Bank. Um, you know, so, so just be careful when you're, when you're trying to push some kind of narrative like this. Uh, one of my favorite quotes I've seen recently is that you can uh, torture the data to make it say anything that you want. Um, so, you know, just, just be careful of that. Now, um, of course, one big question is European Central Bank, did they make the right decision in suddenly freezing, you know, all activities of PNB Bank? Otto, what do you think? What, was this the correct action on the on the behalf of the European Central Bank? Do you think that they might have gone ahead, uh, you know, jumped the gun a little bit? Or do you think that this, um, you know, really did help to uh, prevent a worse potential situation down the road? I would say that uh, the uh, ECB probably didn't um, make the decision and didn't start the communication a week ago. Uh, I would uh, expect that there has been uh, a communication about what's happening in the bank for quite a while and PNB uh, might have uh, not been able to uh, give all the reports and uh, to uh, ensure enough uh, trust in its ability uh, to uh, go forward. So uh, if if the bank uh, fails, uh, then uh, it, it is certainly better than uh, you, you step in earlier and as we can uh, hear uh, in the recent report 99.2% uh, of the um, uh, deposits uh, in the bank will be provided by the um, uh, guaranteed payouts so which means that uh, 
probably the, the time was right if the bank was heading into a wrong direction uh, to uh, make a pause uh, faster than later. And that is uh, 297 million, which uh, is, is the expected uh, total amount of compensation, according to Letta, the Latvian news agency. Uh, another big difference between the Norvik situation, which is or PNB situation, which is going on right now, and uh, ABLV is the type of customers. So um, the wide majority of customers for Norvik Bank are um, local people here in Latvia, whereas ABLV there was a lot of foreign investors, which is one of the reasons why there was, um, you know, the, the kind of things happening at uh, ABLV that were happening. Uh, and uh, according to the English version of LSM, uh, around two thirds of the uh, customers at PNB Bank um, were pensioners. So of course, you know, it's it's great that these customers are being compensated and that the, this money isn't going to completely go away. Uh, but, you know, for example, I was just out with my family on vacation for a couple of days out in Vidzeme. We were staying in a few different places. And I don't always carry around, you know, hundreds of euros with me in my pocket because it's 2019 and we have cards and, you know, we're not expected to do that anymore. Uh, but, you know, again, nobody was necessarily expecting PNB Bank to suddenly fail right now when it did. And I can just imagine, you know, if I was out, you know, staying in some guest house in the countryside, I go to the pump, I haven't turned on the news for the morning, and I try using my card to fill up my car, you know, which is on empty, and all of a sudden it doesn't work, you know, what do you do? You're up the creek without a paddle. So, um, you know, all, all of the uh, customers of PNB who were negatively affected, you have my deepest sympathies. You know, I, I hope that uh, this process goes as smoothly as possible and that, um, you know, you have the support that you need right now. But it looks like um, from all kind of signs that that people are going to receive their compensation within a few days, or at least uh, the payouts are going to start within a few days. And uh, I, I've also seen that apparently this wasn't what's called a structurally um, critical bank. So th this isn't the kind of situation where, you know, in America, one phrase that we heard a lot during the 2008 crisis was too big to fail, that, you know, we have to have a bailout of this bank. Otherwise, if this bank collapses and all these other, you know, uh, important institutions are going to collapse and we're going to have a you know, major recession. So uh, it doesn't look like that kind of situation uh, right now. So before we move on to the other major stories, which we have to get to, uh, one thing, Otto, which jumped out to me immediately is I remember just a couple of weeks ago, and I, I double-checked this, so this was June 28th, the uh, uh, English version of LSM reported this, that on June 27th, so uh, Grigory um, Gustelnikov, is that correct? Grigory Gustelnikov. Thank you. Who was the majority shareholder of PNB Bank. Uh, he sold all of his shares right, you know, just a couple of weeks before. Now, the reason why this sets off all kind of alarm bells in my head is because you know, this sounds like, at least in America, he could potentially be on the hook for, you know, some kind of insider trading investigation, which is something which is taken very, very seriously in, um, in America. So I had Otto, who is kind of our legal expert here. He looked into some of Latvia's laws. And what, what is your opinion on, do you think that uh, Mr. Guslinikov could be on the hook for um, some kind of insider trading? Well, there is certainly um, legislation uh, for um, an uh, action like this, the Article 193.2 uh, of the criminal law, uh, which would cover um, any allegation of uh, insider trading. But at the same time, uh, it would be 
quite difficult to prove uh, such an allegation because it, uh, you would have to establish that he knew something that he uh, as a major uh, shareholder uh, knew or, or like shouldn't have known uh, which would be very difficult to distinguish what he could have or couldn't have or shouldn't have known and uh, I think that probably uh, it would be for the uh, people for the investors who bought the bank from him uh, to look at the uh, documentation and the contract that they had, whether Gusenikov sold it as is and whether uh, the new investors uh, did their due diligence and checked all of the information that they had. So uh, probably if there would be any problem with this and if there was some information for Gusenikov that the bank is really uh, going down the drain, uh, I wouldn't see much uh, maneuver space for the government to get involved um, uh, but perhaps like the new investors might check whether it could be the case of fraud although even at the same time such an allegation would be uh, quite difficult uh, to um, prove so we will definitely keep you posted on this story there's going to be a lot of developments probably before the next time we record um, but again if you are affected by this um, by this bank failure and um, then uh, you, you can check the Latvia Weekly uh, Facebook page. We posted some numbers that you can call um, to the uh, bank regulator, which will have more information for you. Um, is there a quick thing you want to add, Otto? Yes. Uh, so um, uh, we had uh, one uh, comment uh, in our uh, Facebook page uh, regarding this uh, uh, amount of deposits and like people holding it all in one bank. Well, uh, should you have the deposit uh, which is bigger than the hundred thousand euros which is guaranteed uh, for a, a bank in Latvia uh, uh, as a guaranteed payout uh, then you can certainly uh, not hold all eggs in one basket and like divide it between two banks and uh, regarding the same cards and uh, electronic cash I do remember one situation when uh, one of the banks that I used to be a client of uh, had some kind of a technical glitch so during the middle of the day it wasn't possible to utilize the card and it wasn't possible even to go to the bank and get any cash out of there and I had to buy a present for one of our colleagues because I was responsible for it and so since then I have learned that uh, well you have to have at least like some money like in cash and if you have a lot of money then you should probably have more than one bank and more than one card so that you wouldn't be uh, in the middle of uh, another city without any money for lunch or uh, not to speak about getting home. So that's uh, something of financial education that we all can learn, uh, young people, seniors, whomever. Maybe we should do a financial advice with the Otto Talboons uh, segment of the podcast each week because that, that's good financial advice. Yeah, definitely. Don't don't keep more than 100000 in, in in your accounts. Um, so so th- I think that's very solid advice uh, for everyone out there. Now, um, we have a lot to get into in terms of major updates to different stories which we've been covering. Uh, the first one right here in Riga. So as most of you know, Riga has been without a um, kind of officially confirmed mayor for quite some time now. Uh, but it looks like this stalemate could finally come to an end and without an extraordinary election. And what could happen 
as of next week is Oleg Zborovs uh, from Godskolport Rigai. Now that is a party which is separate from the Saskanya party. They've had a coalition agreement for the last, um, you know, for quite a few years. Uh, you know, under uh, Mayor Niels Ushakovs, they had the vice mayor position, which was Anders Americs. Uh, both of them left to European Parliament after uh, kind of being shown the door after all kinds of different allegations came out. And there's an ongoing investigation, of course, right now, which um, we won't get into too much. Um, but since then, there's been kind of this chaotic situation in terms of what's going to happen now. Uh, there was a bunch of members who were kicked out of Saskinia for, um, you know, not kind of uh, holding the party line. Uh, they went down to a uh, minority kind of coalition of uh, just 28 seats and uh, we, we won't get into all the details right now you can go back and listen to the last few episodes but a right now so the latest update is that um, Godskolpart Rigai has made an agreement with the independent lawmakers on Riga City Council and altogether they have 18 votes now since there are 60 seats on Riga City Council they need 31 if Saskinia agrees to this um, kind of this new agreement where Saskinia would get uh, one vice mayor position, they wanted two to begin with, but, but they could get one vice mayor, um, then not only will there be a majority, but there could be 35 uh, deputies who sign on to this coalition. Now, um, my, my two co-hosts, uh, Olives, who is not with us right now, and Otto, they've been kind of on two different sides of the fence. Uh, Olives has been um, kind of uh, leaning to- more towards that there will be a new election. Otto has been leaning more towards uh, lately that there won't be a new election. Uh, what do you think now, Otto, after this latest update? Do you think that we are headed towards a Borov's mayorship? And, uh, or, or do you think that um, Soskin is not going to agree to this? Um, I think that uh, if Saskanya uh, gets uh, aboard uh, this proposal, then we might see uh, uh, Burovs uh, being not only the acting mayor, but also becoming the real thing. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I can't see uh, where uh, Olives is coming from, because this uh, proposed composition might be the only option uh, that is on the table. Saskanya won't have the mayor, and neither will the independents, and if they cannot agree on Burovs, which is the Godskalpotrige candidacy, then I think we will head on uh, to an extraordinary election. So it is either this or a new election. That would be my opinion. And, um, you know, j- just also to kind of highlight how much everything's unknown, I was just listening to Kruspunkta, which is the um, kind of the uh, daily politics show on Latvia's Radio 1, and uh, the, the different journalists and experts were completely divided on whether or not Saskino would actually agree to this. Um, so we, we have absolutely no idea. It's going to be very interesting to see early next week what happens. So make sure to subscribe to the Latvia Weekly Facebook page. We will definitely post as soon as we know um, what's going to happen, if there is going to be a new election or if uh, we will have Borovs for at least two years, because uh, there will be an election no matter what in 2021, um, which uh, you know is one of the reasons why parties are very skeptical about, like, and do we really want to spend all these resources when nothing might actually change on Riga City Council itself. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, Another story which we've been covering in detail over the last few weeks is about administrative territorial reform. And um, so this, uh, again, is the plan to create a smaller amount of municipalities throughout the country. Right now there's 119, which include um, 110 Nuovadi, which is like counties, and uh, nine um, uh, cities of the Republic. And the plan until just this week had been to create just 35 new municipalities. And uh, it looks like now there could be up to 36. 
and that is one um, new region that would be created uh, just outside of Riga's kind of uh, northeastern corner or kind of more eastern corner, and that would be centered in uh, Ulbruka. And uh, one thing I just realized kind of uh, when we were preparing for the show is that we've talked about municipal reform so many times and that there's going to be 35 or 36 new regions. I've never actually said what those regions would be. So um, I'm looking at this new map, which again, as I've mentioned before, is very similar to this old system that Riga ha uh, that Latvia had up until 2009. Uh, they were called different regions of Latvia. And um, there was just under 20, if I remember correctly. There was 26. There was 26. Thank you, Otto. Um, and it's very similar to that map. It's not exactly the same. Um, some, of, some of the new uh, municipalities have almost exactly the same borders as the old ones, um, more in the west of Latvia. In eastern Latvia, it's, it's a bit different because there's been more kind of a demographic change over there. And also around Riga, there's, there's more. There used to be just this one massive Riga region. Um, now it's been divided. So uh, kind of going from west to east, more or less. So uh, there would be a Liepaja municipality, a Ventspils municipality, a Kuldiga municipality, Tulsi, Saldus, Tukums, Duobele, um, Jormala, which is kind of one big city, but it, you know, really is kind of an agglomeration of a bunch of different villages, uh, Marupe, Olaine, Yelgava, Bauska, Dekava, Salaspils. Um, Riga will kind of remain this just city. It's the only one um, out of the Republic cities which will remain, which makes sense because Riga is completely different from the other cities of Latvia. Uh, this new Ulbruka one, which they've just decided on, uh, Adaji, Sigulda, Limbaji, Valmira, Cesis, Valka, Smiltene, uh, Ogre, which is going to be a very big one, Eiskraukle, um, Jakopils, Livani, Madona, Gulbene, Aluksne, uh, Dagopils, Livani, Preli, Balvi, Rezigne, Ludza, and Kraslava. Now, th those are all pretty, pretty recognizable cities if you've spent some time in Latvia. Um, and uh, so a lot of the smaller um, Nuovadi, which were created in that 2009 reform, they're um, joining in together into these bigger ones. So you can take a look on the map. We had this as a story of the day a couple days ago on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page. So if you want to take a look at the map, you can find it there and uh, many, many other places as well. Um, so what do you think, Otto? Does this, is this actually going to go through? Now, the, the plan is that um, this, is, this new map is going to be submitted for approval and um, in early September, there could be a uh, decision on whether or not to go forward. Do you think that this is a plan that will go forward? Will we have this new map of Latvia in the near future? Uh, I think that we will, uh, because the new municipal election is approaching, the new uh, uh, planning year of the European budget is approaching, and uh, so they will have to uh, have this new plan done, so there is legal certainty and uh, it is uh, uh, easily possible to do all the financial planning. Uh, perhaps we might see, like, one or two municipalities joining this number, uh, because as we can see, uh, in and around Riga, partly because of the uh, increased population based on migration. Uh, you have more uh, of the municipalities, uh, but uh, outside of the central region, I wouldn't expect uh, major changes because the uh, demography and the uh, transportation network, uh, which are the key uh, principles in designing this and has been at some points before, uh, would still uh, dictate the reality that we would have to conform to. So um, we will continue to keep you updated on that, but that, that is a pretty major um, uh, decision to, to kind of increase the 
um, amount of municipalities. Th there have been hints previously in the past that you know they are open to to different suggestions, but they do want to create municipalities that have um, you know at least thirty thousand people in them at the very minimum, um, so that they are financially viable. Uh, another story which we are updating you on. So. Uh, there has been a funding crisis at Latvian Public Media, uh, specifically in Latvian Public Radio, but also in Latvian Television, the financial situation isn't great, and also LSM, which is the online portal. Uh, so the NEPLP, which is the watchdog um, over public media, they are asking for more than 10 million euros um, to be allotted uh, to solve um, some of the uh, many, many, many structural problems that are going on in public media, not just uh, for salaries, which is the biggest issue, but also for um, for equipment, and also the fact that um, that uh, these kind of um, I don't know what the correct term is in English, like fast credit or um, the, 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 these creditors, like, like w there's a bunch of these in Latvia, like smscredit.lv. Uh, I can't remember, like, like in Latvia, it's uh, authorized credits, um, but. Well, yeah, like the, the fast creditors or the fast loaners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, in, in English, in kind of casual terms, we'd call these guys loan sharks. Um, but, you know, but, but this kind of brings up ideas of people with these old, like, 80s hairdos and, uh, you know, like, uh, with, like, uh, you know, switchblades or something. So, you know, they're, it's, it's not literally gangsters, um, but they're not. <laughs> the, the loan shark term has some kind of uh, sinister uh, meaning in English, whereas, like, in Latvian, they are, like, uh, legal entities and corporations, only their terms are much more like severe and like with like bigger percentages and like and they're like very active in like uh, getting the money back if you are um, late on the payments uh, but they, they operate like within the law and uh, like over the table. Otto is trying to be as diplomatic as possible. Let's just put it this way. There's a reason why they are no longer able to advertise on Latvian public media. And, uh, you know, I think one good word would be predatory. They've been considered predatory by the government. Uh, at the same time, uh, uh, predatory, uh, yes, but certainly not illegal. So that, that is an important distinction that we have to uh, mention. Of course. So um, we will see if that money will be actually allocated. Uh, what do you think, Otto? Do you think that this money will be going to Latvian public media's way, or is uh, 10 million uh, too much to hope for? I think they would be able to find 10 million, uh, especially if the scandal in regard to this uh, will continue. Uh, however, I would think that it would not be just the 10 million that is necessary, but also the review of the governance of the public media system. Uh, and so you cannot just like throw money into a bad system. You have to review the system and then to see ways like where the money could be used like more efficiently. Uh, that would certainly be uh, something to do. Uh, I think one of the other points that they were discussing was the a contract that they have between the Latvian radio and uh, the the uh, public one of the public media trade unions and this uh, contract which is quite generous to uh, at least some people in the radio might uh, go to the court and might be reviewed so there are a lot of things on both sides that will have to be reviewed so that the public media can provide the service that we all expect it to and on the english version of letter there's a very detailed breakdown of really down to the euro of uh, exactly what this money is going to go to. So if you are interested in reading more about that, you can go to the Leta page. Um, now normally, <laughs> the, I mean, in a normal week, this could be our main story and we might actually talk through all of these, but um, there's just so much to talk about that uh, we don't want the show to go on for two hours this time uh, because all of you guys have better things to do. Um, and uh, Joe has to make the train. Yes, and I do have to make a train in about uh, you know 40 minutes or so, so I don't have that much time. Um, we're going to move on from this story, though, for now. 
Uh, another major issue which we've been talking about, which is kind of like the, I don't know, the, the major soap opera drama of the coalition for the last uh, couple of weeks, this has to do with the new um, rector election at the University of Latvia. And again, a rector is like kind of the president of the university. We, we use the term president in most American colleges and universities. So a uh, quick summary for those of you who haven't been following this drama. So there was an election by the University of Latvia Senate uh, for whether or not there would be a new rector or whether or not to um, continue Indrichis Mujniks's, um kind of uh, time as the rector. Uh, there were some irregularities. The the election was redone, but uh, the Senate decided to continue with uh, Mr. Muishniks. Uh, not everybody was happy about it. One person who was very unhappy about it was Ms. Shublinska, who is the uh, Minister of Education from Yauna Conservative Party. And again, uh, Yauna Conservative Party, they are the second largest party in Parliament. They are the largest party in the coalition. And they uh, got elected for the first time into Saima on a very strong anti-corruption platform. And their poll numbers have not been doing so great lately uh, for, you know, whatever reason, you know, like there, there's, there's all kinds of theories as to why and whether or not the poll numbers are even accurate or this or that. Um, but, you know, definitely there has been some pressure to have some kind of results. Well, you know, you've been in the government for six months, you know, what concrete results have you had in terms of um, anti-corruption? And, uh, you know, uh, I think Yuris Putse from Autisti by Park kind of ate their lunch a little bit um, with uh, his actions against uh, Mr. Niels Ushakovs, who was the bogeyman of a lot of um, anti-corruption activists for uh, pretty much his entire time of, as mayor. Uh, so basically what uh, Ms. Muzhniks decided, uh, sorry, uh, Ms. Muzhniks, um, oh my God, Ms. Shuplinska <laughs> decided was um, that she was going to recommend to uh, Prime Minister Christianus Karinch to not uh, the, the that the government should not confirm um, Mr. Muishniks's, uh new tenure as the uh, rector of the University of Latvia because again they are the largest state university they have to have um, the uh, rector be confirmed by the government. Uh, obviously, University of Latvia was not very happy about this. They threatened court action. Uh, not only are they not happy about it, but most none of the universities in Latvia are happy about this. So. Uh, one of the major developments this week is that pretty much all of the major um, universities, so the rector of Stradent University, the Latvian Science Academy, um, LLU, or the Latvian University of Life Sciences and Technology, Daugavpils University, Leopai University, Ventspils um, College, uh, all of these rectors have come out against this um, action by Ms. Chuplinska. They're asking Mr. Karinch to not um, support her um, you know, kind of call to not support Mr. Muishniks. And also the state chancellery itself has said that um, that her decree was flawed. Um, <laughs> Otto, Otto's just sitting across from me, just kind of nodding, shaking his head. Um, would you like to put those thoughts into words, Otto? Uh, yes, uh, well, regarding the state chancellery, uh, to explain to our listeners, um, well, we have heard uh, um, a lot of opinions from a lot of sides. Uh, there has been the opinion of the university, the opinion of the ministry. Uh, then there was also this uh, internal uh, um, uh, the audit of this uh, election by the ministry. Then the university um, uh, asked for like two international uh, law companies to, to or, uh, prepare like a review of this, and they gave their opinions. But uh, for the state chancery uh, to uh, say this, it is... Uh, 
probably the most important uh, because th that's the institution that organized the work of the government and all of the proposals for any rules of cabinet of ministers go through the uh, state chancery and uh, that's usually the last instance that gives their uh, review of uh, the quality of the act that's going through it. And it seems that the state chancery uh, um, agrees uh, or has the same uh, line of thought as the international law offices and uh, some other um, uh, analysts on this issue that uh, whereas there were certainly some procedural violations in this uh, proceedings and there are like some systemic problems that uh, the reviewers noticed it doesn't relate very much to the result of the election and uh, the main issue for them would be is whether the free will of the people who elect the rector of the university would be affected and their conclusion is that that is not the case and of course uh, the situation is not helped by uh, the uh, announcement of uh, Minister Shaplinsk of her uh, supposed decision before uh, the results of her own internal investigation on this uh, uh, as well as the communication from the party which is r rather arguing it now from the side of that we should change the stagnating uh, governance uh, in the university rather than that the specific uh, election was uh, illegal from the, uh, all the uh, normative uh, acts. So th that is certainly not good news for the, the Minister of Education and also uh, this might hurt uh, the EKP where uh, in their cause for uh, bringing change uh, to several systems and organizations, they might actually shoot themselves uh, into their uh, own feet by looking at it uh, on more the political argumentation rather than the legal one. And before we go into rapid fire, there's one other story I want to update you guys on, which Otto and I talked about for uh, quite a while last week, and this is one that we disagreed about. Uh, and, and this is a little bit painful to talk about. So this is about the delivery of printed press to uh, rural regions. Uh, which is something that the government has subsidized for quite a few years now because it isn't um, financially sustainable anymore. And Otto and I had this discussion of, you know, is this worth the government subsidizing this? Uh, because obviously that money has to come from somewhere. Uh, Otto was arguing more on the side of no, that, you know, if they're not financially sustainable, then they need to find some way to, to make it so themselves. I was arguing, you know, uh, kind of from the side that, yes, this is something the government should spend money on because it's important to support not only uh, printed press, but also the kind of information sp uh, space of the rural regions. Uh, so the, gov the cabinet of ministers or the government has approved um, that 3.7 million will be allocated in the 2020 budget uh, for this issue. The problem is where this money comes from, and, and this is painful to me because 3.7 million will be taken from the reserves of Pasha Zero Viltsians, which is the um, passenger rail service here in Riga. If you've ever listened to the podcast before, you know that Otto and I are pretty big fans of rail transit in Latvia, um, and there was some talk that the money could come from here. Uh, and although, you know, I, I do still support the idea of, um, uh, you know, the, the, that there is some subsidy to the printed press, uh, it is painful that it's coming from specifically here. And, and I, I think, um, you know, uh, you know I, I don't think Otto is going to gloat too much right now, but, uh, you know, th there is a little bit of a I told you so here. Well, uh, yeah, because uh, I, I would disagree on the subsidy because uh, of, of what free press can we talk? Like if the uh, 
press, uh, the private printed press is dependent on the government subsidy. Uh, that's certainly a major issue if we talk about a normal democratic society. Uh, and at the same time, uh, I think this is a short-term solution because if you would spend that money on the passenger rail and, let's say, provide a, a very good transit connections between the rural regions and other regions, that would certainly bring more economic opportunities and more uh, wealth for these regions so that they are able to buy uh, the a printed uh, a press or get access to other sources of information on their own and would be uh, free independent people, uh, not dependent on a government subsidy to, uh, to form uh, their own informed decisions. And it's time to get into rapid fire. And the first story is also uh, one that Otto will definitely want to talk uh, quite a bit about. We don't have tons of time to talk about these stories since this is rapid fire and we have to get through quite a few of them. Um, but this is the Latvian 2020 budget. This is going to be the largest budget in Latvian history and it will be more than 10 billion euros according to uh, Prime Minister Kristianis Karinc who uh, was talking about it on uh, Rita Panorama which is the morning show on Latvian public uh, TV. And the uh, net increase is uh, supposed to be more than 500 million. Um, so, Otto, what what are your kind of major comments about this budget? Now, you you, you are, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm necessarily like a socialist or anything like that, but you tend to be more f uh, fiscally conservative than me. Um, what are your kind of major comments about this new budget that is uh, put into place and is basically the first one of the uh, of the new government? Well, that's certainly a, a good news that they were able to uh, achieve an agreement on this uh, so fast. Uh, remembering all the divisions of opinion on matters such as tax policy and the priorities of the different parties. Uh, but also I think this is a, a good sign because this is reflective of that uh, even uh, that uh, demographically uh, we might be shrinking a little uh, the uh, economic power and the uh, common uh, wealth or the average wealth of uh, our population is growing uh, and so that means that we are better off than we were before and uh, that is certainly a, a good news uh, for our future development uh, showing that we are coming closer uh, to what the uh, Western European countries are aware that we join the European Union and that's certainly a good sign. And apparently the budget shortfall is expected to be just about 20 million euros uh, for 2020, which, you know, for a $10 billion budget, that's not too bad. Um, also, uh, as Otto mentioned, this is well within the guidelines of the um, uh, kind of European Union regulations, which have been put into place in recent years. Uh, for Americans out there, if you're wondering kind of uh, the size of the budget compared to states in America, it is about the size of Rhode Island, which also has a $10 billion budget. Um, more than Nebraska, which has a $9.7 billion budget, and less than West Virginia, which uh, surprisingly has a bigger budget than Rhode Island and is uh, $13.8 billion. Far less than California, which has a $214.8 billion budget. So big spenders out in California. Um, the other thing I want to mention from the story real quick before we move on, because I, I love this. So uh, Mr. Christianus Karinch, uh, again, the prime minister of the country, he used this fantastic analogy, which I'm just going to read it exactly as it is from, um, this was uh, published in Letta, um, and the analogy is that the Latvian economy right now 
It's like a plane taking off. In the beginning, the climb is very steep, then it becomes more gradual, but it is still a climb, and so we too are still in the growth phase, which is very good, and we really have nothing to complain about, um, which is uh, just a great image for me. So um, uh, all aboard the plane of the Latvian economy. Let's hope it uh, has a long and successful flight. Uh, now, one aspect of this is, uh, you know, obviously a major part of the budget each year is uh, pensions, uh, is, the, is the pension fund. And uh, there was uh, news that came out this week that the appendix indexation is expected to be 41.6 million euros this year. And Otto, can you explain to our listeners very briefly, what does this mean? What does it mean that there's appendix indexation? Uh, so specifically, it means that the uh, uh, pensions are all or like certain uh, uh, amounts uh, of or certain sections of the pensions uh, are uh, becoming larger in response to inflation and the expense of living. And specifically, uh, at this time, the 41.6 million euros will go to the pensions that are lower than 420 euros. That means the lowest pensions so that they would uh, get closer to I would assume the intention was to get them closer uh, to the rate of the minimum salary of 430 uh, euros. Uh, so that is certainly uh, good news for the uh, worse off. And uh, the, it might be also be a response to the announcement of uh, the ombudsman that we discussed previously uh, about uh, the uh, rights uh, to um, social benefits uh, as a constitutional uh, law. So another Riga-related story, which I have very quick for you, and this is related to Jaunais Rigas um, Teatris, or the new Riga theaters, it's called in English. Um, so there's been a little bit of a drama uh, between... Um, <laughs> I, I hate using this uh, English translation because <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous. State real estate. But, but, but that's what it's called, state real estate. Or, um, Otto, you, you can pronounce the uh, Latvian version much better than I can. So you can hear there's no rhyme there. <laughs> yeah, because uh, state real estate just sounds so um, crazy. So this drama is between um, state real estate and the uh, Ray Ray building group or construction firm, I guess, over the uh, quality of the, of the building that's been happening. So Ray Ray has... Um, They've been fighting this decision in court and the um, Vidzeme region court of Riga, they have decided that uh, state real estate is not allowed to create a new contract with a different uh, building firm. So, Otto, what does this mean for the new Riga, uh, for the new Riga theater in the short term and the medium term? Well, uh, firstly, that means that like at least for this season for sure they will uh, have to stay in their temporary residence of the former tobacco factory which is a very nice residence uh, for them uh, but at the same time it would be great uh, to, to see them return to this uh, original theater building which has uh, a very important history as it was the first home of the Dallas uh, theater uh, with uh, Edward Smildis and the other founders of uh, Latvian uh, modern uh, theater so uh, hopefully they would be able uh, to resolve this issue uh, and uh, not to have it uh, delay the reconstruction for a very long time. Uh, another quick story which I want to talk about. So the FKTK or the Financial and Capitals Market Commission, they have been quite busy recently, not just with banks, but also with electric money transfer companies. And there are two firms. So one is Complete Payment Systems. The other one is Money Express. Both of them have been um, stricken from the register of, um, of uh, credit institutions. So in terms of what I'm seeing, you know, again, you see a lot of different people making a lot of different narratives about kind of what's happening a lot in, uh, you know, the, the financial world. Uh, you know, I, I still see a positive trend in general here, you know, the, in terms of, um, 
you know, the, the banks having to clean up their acts and also, um, you know, the uh, regulator being a little bit more active than it has been in, in the past and, and a little bit stronger than it has in the past. Uh, do you have any comment here, Otto? Well, the activity of the regulator is certainly a good sign because it shows that um, you can trust the financial system and you can see that uh, if there are specific legislation, uh, it is being followed and the government and the authorities are uh, in charge of what they're doing. So reputationally, I think that's a good sign. And speaking of trust in the financial system, so uh, you remember that about a month ago we talked about the check lottery or the receipt lottery. And if you uh, don't remember what in the world that was or if you haven't heard of it before. So basically there is this new uh, lottery system where you can uh, turn in uh, receipts that from things that you've bought. And uh, if you turn in these receipts, then you get entered into this kind of raffle. And uh, the very first drawing happened on August 12th. There was more than 1.7 million receipts that were uh, handed in. There was a cash prize of 10,000. There was three cash prizes of 5,000 and 50 cash prizes of 100 each, all for turning in receipts. Now, Otto, why in the world is the government or specifically the state revenue service uh, having this lottery? Uh, why do they think that this is a good use of uh, taxpayer funds? Uh, I think that the idea that they have that this might be a more uh, efficient way how to um, find out about um, companies uh, that are avoiding paying taxes and uh, probably they uh, prizes that they are giving out are uh, commensurate to the gain that the, um, the uh, treasury is gaining because uh, if you would from a receipt that is uh, not uh, registered or uh, from a receipt that uh, is not part of the tax paying system uh, find out something bigger and you find out a system that wasn't possible uh, to be found out uh, using the resources of the tax service th that is certainly so much easier like to find uh, out about this uh, from like a receipt that somebody uh, sends to you rather than having um, your uh, employees like tens or hundreds of employees of the um, financial police checking out all and all of the uh, companies one by one so uh, I think that uh, at the end uh, you would have uh, less administrative expenses and more benefits uh, than costs uh, from finding out uh, where the taxes that are not paid are. And apparently Vid has said that this has been a success so far. We will see if this is going to be a long-term program. Um, but the next one is in September. I guess the drawing is September 8th. If you would like to participate, you can go to www.ceklotterija.lv, Czecholoteria, and you can register there online. So, um, I mean, why not? You know, if you, if you have a few receipts floating around in your pocket, you might as well uh, make some money off of it. Last rapid fire story I want to get to real quick. So this is about the Aglona people's Via Crucis pilgrimage that happens every year in Aglona. So uh, for those of you who don't recognize Aglona, that is uh, where the most kind of significant Catholic basilica is located, um, this very famous church. Uh, two popes have visited it, both uh, John Paul II and uh, Pope Francis. Uh, that was last year, wasn't it? It was uh, a very uh, nicely timed uh, with the uh, centennial of uh, Latvia and also the centennial of the uh, other Baltic states as he visited all three of us. And th this is a major pilgrimage that happens each summer. Uh, a lot of people walk from wherever they're from in Latvia. Uh, you know, some people will walk all the way from Liepaja, you know, way on the other edge of the, of the country and uh, take a few months to get there. Uh, but uh, there were some major people 
people who attended, including President Levitz, uh, Sima Speaker Mornitze, uh, Prime Minister Karinch, uh, Minister of Welfare Ramona uh, Petrovica. Uh, there was Yanis um, Bordons, who is the uh, Minister of Justice, also the leader of Yana Conservative Abardia. He also went as well, and a whole bunch of other names. Um, so if you are interested in taking part in this uh, pilgrimage next year, then you can uh, plan ahead. It happens each August um, and Otto, you you, um, you you mentioned earlier, and I, I was I was going to forget to mention this, but uh, I was driving to Riga just uh, yesterday, and in Olaine on the side of the road, I saw a bunch of uh, people. I saw this uh, um, Russian Orthodox priest and and a bunch of people following behind him and holding these signs. And I was thinking, what in the world is this? I looked it up later. Um, can can you explain, Otto, really quickly what I saw on the side of the road? So, uh, as you know, uh, Latvia uh, hosts uh, a number of religious communities and, uh, uh, besides the Catholic community, we also have a considerable Russian Orthodox community and uh, they uh, do have a, a, a internationally known uh, monastery uh, not far from Yalgova, uh, which is a destination for uh, many Orthodox people in Latvia to make their pilgrimage. Uh, so. Um, uh, you could see uh, the Catholics going to uh, Agluana, uh, the um, Orthodox uh, people going to uh, Valgunde, uh, and uh, th that shows the uh, rich variety uh, of uh, different uh, denominations uh, coexisting in Latvia. And that brings us to our international stories. Now, there's a few things to talk about here. Uh, the first one is that uh, Mr. Levitz, our new president here in Latvia, uh, he made a uh, visit to Germany, and one thing that he did, which uh, raised a lot of kind of attention, is he made this um, statement that Germany should be taking more responsibility on the world stage. Uh, Otto, can you kind of unpack this a little bit? What exactly does he mean when he's saying that, that uh, Germany needs to take more uh, responsibility? Do you agree that they should be playing a bigger role on the world stage than maybe they have been in the last few years? That is certainly the case, especially if we look at the changes that are going to happen in the European Union uh, and uh, the very active role that uh, France is playing uh, with the, the expectation of uh, the United Kingdom uh, leaving uh, the European Union uh, one time or another. It is also the question of uh, Germany uh, receiving uh, many benefits uh, from being the center of the European Union and of uh, having a stability around it, also in the Baltic states. So uh, probably part of this argumentation is that Germany should play a bigger role in uh, foreign policy, in uh, common European foreign policy, uh, also perhaps uh, in uh, dealing with uh, some of the issues uh, bordering the European Union, such as in Ukraine, uh, as well as, of course, the question of uh, German military spending, uh, which is uh, below uh, the uh, NATO guideline that uh, Latvia, among uh, a few other NATO countries, uh, is following. And that is certainly uh, something for Germany, uh, which is the biggest economy in the European Union, to consider uh, to keep up Europe as a safe and stable uh, place, which is the biggest economy in the world. And that wasn't the only thing happening in Germany. Now, there was also a uh, U.S. Army-led combined Resolve 12 uh, military training exercise, which was happening there. There was um, just about 100 Latvian soldiers who were uh, taking part, and are still taking part. They're, they're going to be taking part until the 27th of uh, August. Um, over 5,000 participants from 21 different uh, countries. Now, what, what is the main goal of these exercises here, Otto? Because this is more of your um, sphere. You're more of the defense person. 
So uh, if we look, uh, for example, from the perspective of the Baltic states, uh, Germany uh, is very important in the European security architecture uh, because uh, most of the Allied troops, including the American troops, are, are situated there. Uh, and uh, it is very important uh, from the point of uh, logistics. So if uh, uh, a crisis happens in the uh, Baltic Sea region, then Germany would play a key role in providing logistics and uh, sending uh, supplementary uh, forces and uh, material and ammunition and uh, whatever uh, to uh, our region uh, so it is important also for our soldiers to participate uh, in these uh, exercises so that uh, all these um, uh, procedures uh, would be uh, well played out and clear uh, just in case when that is necessary and there's one more international story I want to mention really quickly uh, so this was uh, August 14th that the NEPLP they said that there was this uh, broadcast on May 30th that the Russia 24 channel, which uh, comes out of Russia, um, that they, uh, this one broadcast contained hate speech regarding uh, new President Egil's Levitz um, and uh, said that uh, he has been involved in discrimination against national minorities, including uh, Russians. And so this has been labeled hate speech. Uh, there were 19 cable operators, apparently, that distributed this program, and they are on the hook for um, for what is distributed on these uh, channels. So again, I don't know, any, any surprise here, Otto, that this is the kind of speech coming out of um, some state-sponsored uh, television channels in Russia? No, no surprise there, because uh, we can uh, understand the narratives that are continuing, and uh, that is certainly uh, another unfriendly uh, gesture uh, from our neighbor. Well, uh, that is just about it for the news this week. I'm actually impressed that we were able to cover so much uh, you know, w within an hour. Uh, but let's take a look back at the past uh, before we look at the future. So, Otto, what do you have for this week in Latvian history for our listeners? A very important but uh, seldom remembered uh, date uh, is August the 21st, uh, which uh, was the time in uh, 1991. Uh, when, uh, during the time of change in the Soviet Union and also in the uh, territories occupied by the Soviet Union, such as in Latvia, uh, was happening, and uh, there was a, a big grandstanding between the forces in uh, Moscow who wanted to uh, reform the Soviet Union um, and the forces that uh, were uh, the conservative communists, which wanted to roll back the perestroika, glasnost, and uh, many of the other ideas that uh, Gorbachev tried to uh, put in place, and that uh, went uh, out of control in their minds. And so that was the time when uh, this uh, group of uh, conservative uh, communists staged a coup in Moscow. Uh, they uh, kept uh, Mr. Gorbachev uh, captive uh, for uh, a number of days, and uh, it uh, wasn't clear what will happen next. Would there be uh, an armed uh, crushing of the independence movements uh, and the uh, democratically elected representatives but uh, the coup uh, petered out it wasn't very well organized and it didn't uh, uh, get uh, much uh, recognition from the regional elites and decision makers all around the Soviet Union as a result, the uh, Latvian Supreme Council uh, took uh, the right chance and uh, declared uh, uh, imminent uh, independence on August 21. And that's the time when de facto Latvia became an independent country, not having any temporary uh, period uh, of, uh, of gradually uh, becoming independent, but rather than cutting uh, legal ties uh, with uh, Moscow at once. And yeah, and you know, it's it's very complicated because uh, this period between 1990 and 1991. 
Um, you know, the, the, there's different dates which are celebrated. You know, for the, the big one is uh, May 4th, which is celebrated as kind of the restoration declaration. But, uh, you know, again, um, it, it took time. It was a process. It wasn't just one day that this happened. Yeah, so, so to remind the, the May 4th, it was like year 1990, but still it was just the declaration. And this declaration uh, prescribed like this uh, graduate restoration of independence uh, and a, a period of a change. Uh, but uh, the events of August show that uh, we ha have to uh, uh, operate quickly and remember that was at the time when still in Latvia you had like Soviet armed forces, Soviet special forces and uh, we are very lucky that it uh, didn't end up uh, in a bloodshed and uh, we were able to get our independence back. And for this week in the future, um, so on August 22nd on Thursday there is going to be a celebration to the twilight of summer and this is uh, organized by the International Meetup Latvia organization. So I've lived in Latvia for six years now, almost exactly six years. Actually, I think next week it is going to be exactly six years. You know, I've been invited to a bunch of these kind of like expat meetups, which happen pretty much all the time. You know, there's there's at least once a week, you know, if, if you're a member of the expats group. Um, I've actually never been to one of them. And because uh, basically my philosophy has always been that like, well, you know, I've what's the point of moving to another country if you're just going to hang out with foreigners all the time? Because you can do that literally anywhere. But I realized, well, you know, it's been six years. Why not actually go to one of these? Because uh, the person who organized this, um, he sent me kind of a personal message saying, I hope that we've picked a date that you can finally go to. And I decided, okay, well, you know, now, now I should actually probably go to this one. So uh, this is on August 22nd again at 7.30 p.m. It is at Kasdarza, which is right in the uh, kind of center of Riga. It's a very nice place. I think Otto will actually be there too, won't you? Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, I have been to uh, events like this uh, in Riga before, even though I'm not an expat. I did join uh, some of my uh, French and uh, Swedish uh, friends uh, some time ago to, to go to uh, the event organized by Internations, and it was very nice and I look forward very much also to d uh, this event to perhaps like find some other people who have listened to us and perhaps have the chance like uh, to, to meet them to discuss some of the uh, matters we have discussed uh, in more detail and just uh, to uh, get uh, new acquaintances and hopefully new friends. Yeah, and, and this is not only for um, expats or international people. This is also for locals as well. You know, anybody is basically welcome to attend. Um, but the organizers, please ask if you can uh, please RSVP on the Facebook event page. So again, uh, the event is called A Celebration to the Twilight of Summer. And I will I'll probably repost this or share this on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page as well. So, so yeah, feel free to come up to Otto and I, you know, chat about whatever you want to, um, you know, about trains or Frika may or, or, or whatever else. And the weather is supposed to be pretty nice that night. So... Um, First of all, Monday, which a lot of you will probably be listening on Monday, uh, in Riga there's going to be some thunderstorms, high of 24, low of 13. Uh, Tuesday it's going to be a bit cooler, 22 degrees, but it's going to be uh, more pleasant, clouds and sun throughout the day. Uh, Wednesday it's going to be raining throughout a lot of the day, uh, high of 21. Uh, Thursday when this international meetup event is happening, it's going to be 21 degrees and uh, partly sunny throughout the day. It's going to be nice weather, so we really hope to uh, see you there. Uh, Friday it's not going to be quite so nice, it's a bit warmer at 22, but uh, some afternoon showers. Saturday it's going to be mostly sunny at 22, uh, low of 12. Sunday, very similar, uh, partly sunny, 22 degrees uh, in the day, 11 at night. Uh, Monday, it's going to be a high of 23, very, very sunny. Uh, Tuesday, 21 degrees, mostly sunny, and that should bring us into the next episode. So thank you guys so much for listening this week. Although we don't have 
the answer to life, the universe, and everything, uh, you know, like the number 42, uh, we, I hope that you do feel a little bit more enlightened about uh, what is happening here in Latvia and that you found this informative and entertaining. If you did, please uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review on you know, Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening. That would be very helpful for us. Uh, any last-minute wishes before we go, Otto? Oh, uh, certainly uh, try to enjoy as much of the remaining summer that might be there. Probably it might get uh, cooler or rainier after some time, and it might also be some time until we get the Indian summer. So do enjoy, and I hope that you will have a great time in our beautiful country at this beautiful time. So thank you for listening. And those of you in Riga, we hope to see you at Kostarza on Thursday. So thank you, everyone. Visalabo. Visalabo.